This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we're looking back on the biggest comeback victory for the Bates football team in 50 years. And the winter sports season is upon us. Get the full scoop on the squash and women's basketball teams. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The Bates football team rallied from 21 points down to defeat the Hamilton Continentals by a final score of 26-21 on Saturday. Hamilton had the ball late in the first half near midfield, up 21-0. But the Continentals tried to fake a punt, and Bates stopped it. The Bobcats took advantage of the opportunity with junior quarterback Brendan Costa connecting with Sean Bryant for a 15-yard touchdown pass with 16 seconds left in the half. Bates carried the momentum into the third quarter. Sophomore Thomas Formas forced and recovered a fumble on the opening kickoff. Costa found Bryant again, and Bates trailed 21-12. With 2.31 left in the game, Costa tossed a 35-yard touchdown pass to junior Parker Smith, trimming the Hamilton lead to 21-19. The Bates defense shut down Hamilton on the ensuing drive, and then the special teams unit made the biggest play of the game. The Continentals lined up to punt, and senior Peter Daly applied pressure, forcing them to abandon the attempt. Junior Liam Green made the tackle, and Bates took possession deep in Hamilton territory. Two plays later, Bryant caught his third touchdown pass of the afternoon. Costa rolls to his left. A floater. End zone. Touchdown. Bryant comes down with it, and for the first time today, Bates has the lead. Head coach Malik Hall recaps the biggest comeback win for Bates since 1969. Fifth quarter on the Bates Bobcast with the head coach of the Bobcast, Malik Hall. And Coach Hall, what does it mean to be the head coach of a team that just pulled off the biggest comeback in 50 years for Bates football to get that victory on Saturday? Man, the first thing is is wow. The second thing is, um, yeah, man, it, you know, it's good to get a win. And for me, I'm saying to myself, man, like, it was so much stuff we left out on that field. And um, that could be true about every game. Um, but these past two weeks, um, that still is true. We left stuff out there, but we can make those corrections with a win. And um, it's a lot easier to make corrections with a win. Um, but at the end of the day, man, like, Getting that win to close out the year for our seniors. I mean, you say 50 years. I think for everyone who's been a part of our program, um, 50 years and out, I think that's a win for them too. I think um, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to change the record, officially and unofficial. And right there, that officially changes one record. Um to where you can change the record for every Bobcat who who let Williams get away their year. or So the 69 team can say they got Trinity. Yeah. In 2019, we're, we're at that 60, we're at that nine year, right? Yeah. And so though we didn't, we may not have had the success the 69 team did, um, now our 2019 group of guys can – Look in the history books and share that memory that the 69 team shares. 
They came all the way back to be the Trinity nonetheless. Whether it was the Trinity that we know, right. it still was Trinity. Yeah. And just like the guys in this 29th, those eight seniors, for the rest of their life, they'll be able to say that they got Hamilton. And I don't know what our record is against Hamilton over time, um, but not any of our seniors have ever beat Hamilton. And for them, we talked about last year's seniors planting the seed. I think, you know, this senior crew saw a seed sprout by doing something that they have yet to do. Um, and the fact that we were able to go back-to-back -back wins. Look, winning one game is difficult. Winning back-to-back -back games are even more difficult because your opponent practices on not letting you beat them, especially with the twos and the plays and the personnel that beat the team prior to them. Mm -hmm. And so, I, you know, I'm excited for our, our Bobcat family um, all around the board, for those who are in California, to those who are in Hong Kong, like they want to see, they want to see something happen that they didn't maybe have a chance to make happen, or maybe feel short of. So we're carrying everyone's, we're carrying everyone's dream, mm -hmm. and that's what makes that's what makes college football different. That's what makes tradition different. You know, that's what makes being a, a alum different. You know, because everyone who plays in with that uniform, they're playing into your history mm -hmm. and trying to create a history for someone that they yet to know. I'm curious, you know, Costa obviously played really well. Um, you know, <laughs> Sean Bryant, three touchdown catches, sensational. Special teams won you that game, though, I feel like. I mean, the plays you guys made on special teams were huge. Take us through those. Yeah, I think um, if, let's start with the extra points. We go for two point, two point conversions on our first touchdown, first two touchdowns. We don't get them. So now going for two points again. Now we're just chasing points. Right. And um, the last time we lined up for extra point, it got blocked and returned for two points. Mm -hmm. And so, um, kudos to Simon for getting it all fast, high, um, on two different occasions. The second extra point, which was even more critical, because now. If he misses it or if it blocks and goes for two, it's a three-point game. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of implications on his last kick. So kudos to him on special teams. He did a great job on kickoff with his kickoff placement. Um, their returner was leading the league in return yards. Mm -hmm. You talk about going into the game hoping that their kickoff return team does not be the difference. Right. Our kickoff team was the difference to keep them bottled up. And we got a fumble on kickoff for kick on the kickoff team yeah. coming out of the half. So when you talk about okay, sense of urgency, about Tom Formers coming out of nowhere, getting the ball out, um, and then you see our offense wake up. You see Acosta uh, who's going for ten yard scampers on the ground. You see him getting the ball out to his tight end Sean Bryant. Um, you see Hayes with a few catches. I mean. Chris Capo with a few catches. And when you think about how he was distributing the football, I was I was very pleased with that. Um, and then the punt team, punt block team. Oh my goodness! To your point, in special teams, like special teams, man. Not only did they show up on kickoff, 
They showed up on pump block. They showed up on punt, kick return. But the biggest play, um, they're lining up to punt the ball so we can go down and drive for the last possession. I think they're on the 35 maybe. And sure enough, Pete Daly comes through. You can see him. Everyone's going nuts. Oh, we're about to block it. 15 holds it. Yeah. And next thing you see is Greeny come out of nowhere for the tackle. Leading up to that point, like, that's the big mo, if you will. Like, we had momentum, and we we made them pump. We didn't give up a touchdown in the second half. All of that is true. But when you talk about the big mo that, that slid the skill fully over to the base side, it was that block punt or the attempt punt that never got off. Right. And earlier in the game, they tried that fake on you guys, but you guys, seeing something in the film, you, you seemed like you knew what was coming. Yeah, I, you know, Coach Coach G does a great job. Um, he prepares our guys. Our guys um, were locked in on the fake. Uh, I couldn't. I remember seeing the fake, but I didn't. I wasn't sure on who had the ball. Mm-hmm. And so I'm on the sideline, know the fake is a possibility and can't find the ball. So for shout out to all of those guys on that pump block team yeah. who stayed locked in who didn't lose the sauce or the juice and to make sure that they were where they needed to be to keep that block, to keep that fake from coming out. Because when you talk about the momentum swing, that's a momentum swing. And we're down 21 points at this point. And so that could have put us further in the jar going into half. Um, but to your, your, as you alluded to, special teams made a difference. And special teams sometimes makes a subtle difference that you may not attribute to a win, mm-hmm. uh, but I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, special teams um, probably were the contributing factor to us getting a victory this weekend. And defensively, Liam Green, obviously, we talked about the big play me on the punt, but he also had three sacks. Moving him to defensive end from linebacker uh, paid off big time this week. Yeah, I think if you interview him, he'll say the same. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when you're a linebacker and you get moved, to defensive line, um, I think that's a that's that's a blow to the ego. Mm. It's a blow to the ego. I, I think, um, you know, Greeny and Campbell both got moved to defensive end, um, and I think is is my hopes and my vision that they would be an athletic mismatch for offensive linemen. Um, I think once you wrap your mind around. You know, trusting coach's decision and knowing that he's not doing it um, for any other reason or better to be. Um, and I think once you have something good happen for you, three sacks in one game, hat trick, I think that would be a little bit of motivation to put on 20 pounds this offseason. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, again, I've been around football for a long time, three sacks. And when you talk about three sacks, he didn't play uh, 80 plays to get three sacks. Mm-hmm. So his law of average on what he's averaging per snap to get a sack, he probably could have had four. Mm-hmm. If you ask him, he'll say five because on two occasions, I think he thought the play was going to do something different and hesitated. Mm-hmm. Um, but Greeny's effort, hands down, has always been off the chart. Um, and with his effort, you never want to take a guy off the field that gives that kind of effort. Um, but you also want that effort to result in production. 
And I think um, his effort and production found a sweet spot this weekend, and it resulted in three sacks. And you could argue the fourth because the punter was the quarterback. Right, right. Going back to the offense, though, Costa, four touchdown passes, three to Sean Bryant. I watched them on tape. He's not afraid to just throw it up in the air and let his receiver go up and get it, isn't he? Yeah, I think I, I think when you look at his progression from a year ago into today, um, you're seeing a little bit more of that. And I think if you see if you see it from a progressive standpoint, what we see is trust starting to develop. Um, you know, it's easy to throw it up to your brother if your brother's on the outside because you have you have a reputation that goes beyond a whistle, a practice. But when you can do it for some people who are not your brother, like that means you're repping that brotherhood to where, like, hey, you're not my brother by blood, but we've done this a lot. We've been in a lot of battles together. Like, we're connected now. Um, and I think, you know, with Sean Bryan coming on in the last three weeks as he did, uh, I think that's that's the exhibit of what that connection looks like. Um, and more more importantly, who was Sean Bryant before all of that, right? He was a big receiver who was coming off an a, a injury. Mm. And now everyone's like, who is Sean Bryant? <laughs> Right. So in house, we always know the tools and how sharp our tools are. Is is out of house that people are kind of wild, like wow, where has he been? And um, you know, as a coaching staff, we can have that moment sometime. Like man, this kid, everything he throws at Sean, seems like it could be a big play. And um, I think again, when you have a quarterback who trusts some of his targets, you'll see him put put the ball in a place where the receiver is making a bigger play than the quarterback. I'm curious, you know, as, as, as the head coach, looking back on the season now since it all is wrapped up, you know, two and seven, but you look at the Colby game, you look at the Amherst game, you look at the Tufts game. Is it, is it tough not to play the what if, or is it encouraging to say, hey, we were a few plays away from, you know, a five and four record? Ah, oh, man, listen, I... I... Oh, you, you hurt me with that question. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I think a coach's biggest challenge and a player's biggest challenge is to live in the now. Mm-hmm. Um, coaches tend to live in the moments that they lost, um, and players tend to live in the moment that they've been criticized. Well, interesting enough, if you flip it, the media criticized the coaching staff. And peers would criticize peers, right? Players criticize players. So all being the same, we all live in that same journey, right? Um, it's our perspective that I think uh, gives us the the encouragement to just move forward from it. But what I think those games you mentioned, total points of losses, 13, I think, maybe. Um that's close enough, yeah. So if you told me twenty if you told me twenty one points was the difference from us winning five games, I'm like, Oh man. Yeah, yeah. I've thought about it already, sure. Yeah. Um and the fact that this game ended very similar to our Kobe game with just us on the other side of the column. Right. So you're saying, Oh man, that could have been three and then you're saying, Man, what about the pass interference or what about the Tufts mm-hmm, game? Mm-hmm. What about the fumble to Amherst game? And right. 
I think that is what a finale does for you. Mm-hmm. Finales give you an opportunity to reflect, gives you an opportunity to excel. Um, I would imagine our players by the end of the night had to come to terms of, man, we could have we could actually won five. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the reality. I, I think the reality of that is that expectation also has changed. Um, it's not we could have won the CBB. Right. Because that is also to be true. Right. Instead, the conversations, we could have won five. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the ultimate idea, is how could you have maximized your opportunity? And to maximize it did not just leave it at the CBB, but we talked about five potential games in the NESCAC that we could have won. I don't know the last time we've won five games here. I, I think Coach Herman won five games mm-hmm. early in his career. Um, and I think if we can have that expectation now, then we can have the work of that expectation this winter. Great. Well, before I let you go, any other thoughts on the season you wanted to share? Listen, I, I just want to, you know, say to the Bobcat Posse and the family that it was a it was a <laughs> – a Dow Jones year of up and down, but I think um, if you take a step back, you'll see our growth. Um, But you'll also see that we're a young team that um, we're looking to make some gains. And to all of the parents and to all of the administration and family and friends who support our program, like we don't go without you. And so we need you to continue to go forward. And so, as every for every fan who showed up to Garcelon Field, to every fan who traveled and and started um, the tailgate or opened the tailgate, um, we say thank you. We say today is even a, today is a great day to be a Bobcat, just as tomorrow will be. And um, we look forward to your support in the future. And um, go Cats! Sophomore Sean Bryant caught five passes for 93 yards and three touchdowns, all career highs. Bryant finishes the season with 300 receiving yards and four touchdowns, tops on the team. And he is our male Bobcat of the week. Well, it was a super fun game to be a part of. I mean, it was obviously a great win for our program, getting the second one in a row. And it was definitely a good way to set up the offseason going into next year. The touchdown pass to win it. Costa threw that one, I think, cross his body up, and you were there. What did you see on that play? Uh, so that's a, like a read route. It's, I'm supposed to run up the seam, and I saw I originally just ran right up the seam, but then I saw that the safeties had moved over, so I crossed the field, and co- me and Costa were on the same page on that, so we connected on that, which is nice. People who may not know, you're a sophomore, but you're 22. You're almost 22 years old, so take us through kind of your high school progression, post-grad year, stuff like that. Uh, so I did four years at Falmouth High School. Uh, I played two with my brother, who's at Bates with me now, um, and then I decided to do a post-grad year at Holderness. Um, then I had a injury that set me back, so I had to leave school um, and then get healthy again so that I could re-apply um, into the school. And then I ended up at Bates. That was my goal the whole like way. So Yeah, certainly. When did Bates, when you first started looking at it, obviously your brother's here as well, when did that process begin looking at Bates? Uh, that started my senior year at Falmouth. Okay. I was really uh, close with Coach Capone, and I really wanted to be at Bates. I loved Coach Harriman, um, and I just really wanted to be at this school the whole way. Um, and once I had my injury, I was deciding if I wanted to play football again or not. Um, and then once I decided to, I was really fully committed and just to trying to get into Bates. I love the school and football program. program so. Excellent. Going back to your days at Falmouth High School, you, your brother is a quarterback. He was a senior. When, uh, no, you were a senior when he was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And he was starting at quarterback that year as a sophomore. It wasn't like catching passes, passes from your brother. 
It was awesome. I mean, we've played football and done sports with each other our whole lives, so obviously it was just great to be like on that like live like set with each other. So it was just cool to like go through that experience with each other. Uh, and our dad actually coached us a little bit too, because he's had a background playing quarterbacks. So we always coached quarterbacks at Falmouth, and uh, he helped Jack out. So it was really cool to be a part of that with all three of them. Yeah, you touched on injuries. Uh, you were injured earlier in the year, and you were able to battle back again. What's what's the mentality take? What's it take to battle back from these injuries you've you've gone through? Uh, a lot of like resilience. I mean, I love football. I've never really done anything to get rid of it. I just feel like I need to keep at it. So, yeah. And what's it like being you for these last three games? All of a sudden, you're the leading receiver on the team. I mean, this. Yeah. It, I don't want to say it came out of nowhere because you're doing a lot of work behind the scenes. Yeah. But what's it been like to have these the work behind the scenes translate into stats? Uh, it's it's uh, it's nice to be a part of that. I mean, obviously, we've had a lot of injuries for our offense. We're missing a lot of key guys, so we got everyone has to step up to sort of fill that gap. Going back two weeks to go to Bowdoin, the night game under the mm-hmm. lights, that was pretty cool experience. Yeah, that was very fun. It was cool. It reminded me of Friday Night Lights back at Falmouth, which was fun. <laughs> uh, it was definitely good to get the first win, too. It was awesome for the program and just for everyone to set up really, build momentum in the offseason, like I said earlier. So, We touched on the comeback. I mean, you're down 21 nothing in that game. What's going through your mind? Well, we'd actually seen that two weeks prior, prior sure. against Colby, which yeah. was I thought was really helpful. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw at halftime we were just realizing that we weren't really playing our game. I mean, we didn't really show up at the beginning of the game and we realized that we just needed to buckle down, get all our assignments done, and just do what we need to do and come back and just not lose hope and just keep believing. So. Must be pretty cool to see the special teams make all those plays, right? Oh, I know. We go through that all week. We work so hard with special teams. Our special teams coordinators are really, really persistent with it, and he knows what he's doing. So it was good to see that pay off. Your second touchdown, near pylon, mm-hmm. toe tap, right? I mean, take us through that. I mean, that that's a tricky catch. Yeah, that was tough. Uh, <laughs> it was a good ball by Costa. He yeah. said he was actually trying to throw it away. <laughs> I just tried to keep the play alive. So. Yeah, it was a, just a corner route, so I just tried to keep it alive and make a play after. Because we actually had another good special teams right before that mm-hmm. yeah. by uh, Tom Formas. Yeah. Strip the guy. That was a good play. So Certainly. Um, you know, have you always been a wide receiver? When did you start playing football? Uh, I started playing in fifth grade. I was a running back, but I actually threw a lot of pa- – we did halfback passes. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I did some of those, and then sort of – I grew really late. I was 5'2 as a freshman, so that's another reason why I decided to do the post-grad year. Sure. Um, and I was only like 100 pounds. So I, <laughs> I decided – once I realized I started growing like a foot in high school, and I decided that I, I wanted to just um, do a post-grad year to get another year to get ready for college. Um, and so that's sort of when I started playing receivers, when I started to grow more. So as a ninth grader, you were five foot two. Were you playing varsity or no? I was, oh, okay. I was, I was on JV. I was on <laughs> JV. We had a pretty good JV team, but yeah. uh, I was on JV. Played JV as a sophomore too, and then mm-hmm. uh, junior year I started getting a little varsity time, and then senior year I had a pretty good year. So, so senior year you thought you started thinking. Well, you mentioned you wanted to go to Bates. Yeah. And senior year was that the first time you were like, oh, I could play college? Yeah. Um, I got in touch with Bates then, uh, and a couple other like D uh, three schools, and that's sort of when I Bates was my top school, obviously, and then the whole way through. Um, and that's sort of where I started that process. And so Jack is two years younger than you. Yes. And so did he kind of just follow your lead in terms of coming to Bates, or did, what was his process? That was actually funny. He yeah. committed before I did. Okay. So he, I was at Holderness. I went ED2. He went ED1. Okay. Um, and so that's just sort of how that worked out, which is funny. <laughs> that was funny, actually. But he uh, he was looking at a couple of the NSX schools, and Bates just ended up being his top pick. So nice. it was cool once we realized. He was like, you got to get into Bates. Like, we got to figure this out once he was committed. So. Excellent. And obviously you've gone through a coaching change here with Malik Hall coming in, yep. head coach, um, starting starting last year. What's what's his leadership been like? I mean, he obviously we've talked about his enthusiasm and mm-hmm. how he brings the juice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's been awesome. I mean, 
Um, once I got the email, I was obviously like, I was a little surprised coming in as a freshman, mm -hmm. but once I heard him and I met him, I, I loved his changes and everything that he was willing to bring to the program. And he really just wants to win and just make a difference in the program, which was great to see. At that moment and against Bowden where he what, dumped the water dumped, dumped the water on him? Celebrate. That was cool. It was, it was an awesome moment for all of us just seeing, because the year before, Bowden has stormed the field on us on their home field, so we wanted to get, get a win back on them, <laughs> which was nice to see. Nice. So, you know, going into the offseason, what are some goals in your mind, you know, working, um, you know, the team obviously doesn't have practice or anything because of mm -hmm. NASCAD rules. So what are some goals in your mind working you know, on your own or with your brother or whatnot to try to come back even better next year? Well, I think all of us is just getting closer and closer. I know in the offseason, a few of us hung out in the summer and just tried to build chemistry. I think that's one of the biggest things with football is just building chemistry and being close to the guys and just everyone improving individually. So as a team standpoint, we can be stronger and just better for the ready for the season. And I also know that we have – uh, we're only losing. We're losing a lot of seniors, or that have really played a good, important role. But uh, I think a lot of the teams in the NESCAC are losing more. So mm -hmm. that'll be good. So right, we have a good, strong group coming back. Yeah, 18 years kind of a small senior yeah, class, small and so seniors. there's a. I mean, you, Jackson Hayes, Muhammad Dewara, all these Parker, Parker Smith, all these guys, all the receiving cores coming back. It seems yeah. like that's nice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, it's good to see that. What's it like chemistry with those guys? They're all great guys. I mean, we've gotten a lot closer um, as the season's gone on, and I think we should just build that into the season. It'll be good to have an off another offseason with those guys. So, All right, Sean Bryant, Mail Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. The Bates defense and special teams helped make the comeback possible on Saturday. Junior Liam Green had three sacks, and he teamed up with fifth-year senior Peter Daly to make the key play late on Hamilton's failed punt. What a Saturday it was for the Bates football team. We've got... Fifth-year senior Pete Daly and junior Liam Green with us here on the Bobcast. And Pete, you know, first of all, I want to ask you about, you know, being a fifth-year senior. Uh, you've been around. You've been in the program. Uh, what's that experience been like, you know, bringing that extra wisdom to this class? Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. Um, definitely got an extra year, another opportunity just being around the guys. And, you know, just being in the program for so long, even uh, playing my sophomore year, like I still worked out with the team, like my winter sophomore year. So I was still around the guys all the time. Just like being around that culture, um, just being able to learn every single year, being able to learn from the coaches, it's been huge. And it's helped me like really develop as a player and then also like help kids like underneath me, like especially like Tony Hooks, Brian Carmichael, like those two inside linebackers. Um, it's been fun like helping them along the way and they've grown a lot throughout the season. Like Tony's had like I think 60 tackles on our team or something like that, even more so. I mean, yeah. It's definitely promising. It's like a good thing that um, makes me feel good, honestly. So, yeah. Excellent. So the game against Hamilton, for, we'll start with the biggest play, you know, late in the game at least. The aborted punt, as I called it, I guess, in the fourth quarter. Uh, either one of you, I mean, Liam, you, you had the tackle, but Pete kind of made that play happen to begin with, right? Yeah, I mean, Pete set me up very nicely. Uh, he hit a really great move off the line, um, got free, blew right through the shield. And we're taught by uh, Coach McLaughlin as our special teams coordinator. He's a fantastic coach. He's very detail-oriented. Um, give him all the credit for how much effort our team has put in on special teams and how we've grown throughout the season uh, in that area. But I think that on that play, Pete was just technique-wise, he was on point, and the punter panicked, and I was there to clean it up. And Pete, what did you see on that play, rushing the, rushing the punter? Yeah, well, Coach G, like, we have a block of the week, and Coach G was like, all right, like, engage eight, and, like, we're, like, going to run the block of the week. And I was like, Coach, honestly, like, let me just run straight ahead. Like, I can beat the guy. He was like, all right. So, yeah, like like I said, like, Coach, like, like Greeny said, Coach G's the best man. He works harder than anyone I've ever met in my life. I mean, swear to God, 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. guy, like, it's nuts. Um, and, yeah, like, I just used the technique that he's 
taught me over and over and over again. Made a play, and Greeny, I mean, he brings it every play. The kid came flying off the edge, and I was just lucky I had him right there to clean it up. So you guys were down 21 nothing in this game. Yeah. Uh, it's the biggest comeback for the team in, in, you know, in 50 years. Liam, what was the mentality on the sideline down 21 nothing? You, you've had games where you've come back before, like the Kobe game just came just up just short. What was, what was going through people's minds, you know, in your mind maybe when you're down, you know, by three scores, you know, in the first half? So we're – every day, I mean, we come to work uh, practicing games. So we're just taught uh, – Coach Hall stresses that – you know, we're, we're playing the game, we're not looking at the scoreboard. And I think that that speaks more to just play every play as do your job. You know, get get your job done, do what you need to do, do your 111th, and let the chips fall where they may. Because if we, if we play Bobcat football the way we know we can, um, we're going to like our outcome. What were your thoughts, you know, early on that game? For me, it was like, don't panic. Like, it's still 0-0, like, still zero, zero, but we got to have a sense of urgency to us. Um, and... Like before, like in the Colby game, we scored. We, I mean, we got the ball with like what two or three minutes left in the half, and I had all the confidence in the world in the offense. They were gonna march on the field, uh, score a touchdown. We're gonna go in the half with some momentum, and yeah, like for me, it was just never. This team never has any quit in them, um, so it was never really a worry. One, the thing what happened in the half was Hamilton decided to fake a punt at midfield, yeah. but you guys were ready for it. What did you guys see on that play? Um, we just were coached again all week. Um, our preparation, I think, uh, is just what's grown in our program. I mean, we prepare, we feel like we prepare the best, and that's what we strive to do. Um, so we were ready for it. Uh, we were communicating on the field, and um, as I was on the line, we knew the formation, and we saw something funky. So we were somewhat ready for it, um, but we were always trust our practice, uh, especially in moments like those in the game, crucial times. Yeah, Pete, I saw you just... You know, authoritatively toss the ball to the referee like not an hour watch yeah. there, right? Yeah, that was um, yeah, that was pretty juiced up for that play. Um, but yeah, Coach G, I mean, we knew that play was in their arsenal. Coach mm. G stressed it all week. It was senior week for them. They might want to go into their bag of tricks, and uh, they did on fourth and ten. Don't ask me why. Um, I actually, when I I actually hit the kid, and I was really surprised he bounced off me, and then you know the posse cleaned yeah. it up for me. So it was awesome. Uh, yeah, eleven guys with the ball, but yeah, it was a fun play. I um. It's much a pretty lucky to get a flag for throwing the ball that hard at the ref. So. <laughs> yeah. And then to open the third quarter, I mean, the kickoff, and Thomas Formas forcing that fumble. I'm watching the tape, and he just comes from far away. Like, he caught that guy from behind. What did you see on that play on special teams? Oh, well, I was actually on the field. The uh, yeah. 26, uh, credit to him on Hamilton. I mean, he was a great guy, senior guy. Mm -hmm. I left it all on the field. Uh, he was really shifty, so he brought that ball out. Made a couple guys, myself included, miss, and I was in pursuit and I see Tom come out of nowhere, and like we're told, you know, like we're coached, he laid out, he took a shot, and he swiped his arm down on the ball, tomahawk on the ball, and that's what we're taught when we're trailing. So Tom made the play that he needed to make, and um, we were, he was ready for it. He recovered it with the other hand. I mean, it was the whole deal. It was, a, it was a stud play, and we needed it to happen. It really juiced us up, so we needed that to start the second half. And it's nice to see the offense go out and immediately take advantage of that, right? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Um, like, when I saw the play happen, I, like, there was a huge momentum swing. You could tell on the sideline, everyone was juiced up. Um, and I just definitely, I had all, I mean, we were at, like, the 25. I knew that the offense was going to punch in another score, so it was a good feeling. Liam, you had three sacks. That's not easy to do. Uh, you know, I think it's just the other guys on the D-line, especially, that are setting up my rushes. I mean, we were, we were working hard all week and preparing on our game plan, but um, I'm not a big guy. So <laughs> I got switched uh, positionally-wise from outside linebacker to D-line because – uh, Coach Hall wanted to see more speed on the field, so we wanted to work on our defense and um, really see what we could do there. So 
I'm playing a position that I haven't played before, um, so it's nice to kind of kind of get get a feel for it in this game and really be able to unlock some of the different moves or plays that I maybe wasn't able to make the week prior against Bowden or Colby. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I got to uh, maybe work on some moves that I worked on in practice. You know, working off some of the guys I play with on the D line: Ramon Ruiz, Jack Ryan, Nolan Potter. I mean, these guys were working all day long, and we were getting after them. So it felt really good to see some of the hard work pay off and uh, make some plays for our defense. So how good does that feel knowing you have one more year where you can come out and, and play that position for the full season? I mean, it's exciting. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited to see what our team's going to bring. I mean, our our program has grown leaps and bounds on the field and off the field. I think mentally is our biggest point. Uh, we trust our, our, ourselves and each other like no team I've been around. And I think that really proves to a point where you can come back from 21 nothing at some point in the game and you don't look at the scoreboard and you look at the guys around you and you know what you have to do and you know who's around you, you know the work that you've put in. So it feels good to kind of see that through and um, persevere through the adversity and uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So it's nice to bring that one home for Bates. Yeah, well, two straight wins to end your collegiate career here. What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's definitely huge. Um, definitely lost a couple close ones earlier in the year. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a, there was a feel the whole season that, you know, this team kept working, kept working. I mean, these guys brought their stuff every single day. Um, it's a huge credit to the team, huge credit to Coach Hall and all the coaches. Um, I mean, when win or lose, like, we're coming out the next day, like, clean slate, everything is clear. Um, we're just going to practice hard. Like, the, the standard is high energy all the time, high juice all the time, practice well all the time. And um, I think that's carried throughout the entire season and showed in the last two games that we're, we're going to keep building, keep getting better, and it's definitely going to translate into the offseason for these guys, definitely going to translate in the next season for these guys because these guys now know what it takes to win, now know what they have to do to get it done. And now that they know what the standard is, like I really think there's no stop in this team, which is a really good feeling going out because like I know like this group of seniors has left a pretty good mark on the team. Way to end it. Pete Daly, Liam Green, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. The Bates volleyball team fell to Wesleyan in the NESCAC quarterfinals on Friday, finishing the season with a record of 16-10, and 10, the Bobcats' best record since 2009. Bates has increased its win total each of its past five years, and over the last four years, senior Taylor Stafford-Smith has been a key contributor as an outside hitter. She had seven kills and six digs on Friday, and due to her strong performance, she is our female Bobcat of the week. We will catch up with Stafford-Smith next week as part of our fall sports season recap on the Bobcast. The women's basketball team gets its season underway Friday night at the Rose City Tip-Off Classic at Drew University in Madison, New Jersey. Then the Bobcats open at home a week from Wednesday against Husson at 6 p.m. The young Bobcats are coming off a 12-12 season last year, and fifth-year head coach Allison Montgomery joins the Bobcast to preview the season. Last year, we were very young in terms of having a ton of freshmen, seven of them actually, and a lot of them playing a lot of game minutes. So um, very young, and we will be again <laughs> because they are now just sophomores. Um, so again, seven of them who will all be a significant um, part of our, you know, they'll all contribute a lot. And then um, we have one senior and two juniors. So um, yeah, and three freshmen. So still young, but we are hoping and feeling good about just the experience that our young players were able to get last year. Um, so, you know, feeling a little more veteran um, than maybe kind of our roster balance shows. So 
Last year, the team, it seemed like when they were home here at Alumni, yeah. they were competing with everybody. They were beating people. Their only losses were to top-ranked teams. Yeah. On the road, it was a different story. What, what were your thoughts on that in terms of the kind of Jekyll and Hyde nature of that? Oh, I know. Right. Um, I've done a lot of um, thinking <laughs> and wondering about that. I mean, I, I think I think one of the biggest contributors was what we just spoke about, being young, being immature, um, kind of needing to find that same focus Um when our routine was a bit different and maybe we didn't have the same sort of support behind you and that sort of thing. Um, so I attribute that mostly to our youth um, and just in general, uh, you know, a little bit of inconsistency. Um, so obviously been a really big focus for us as we think about kind of our values and, and uh, how they want to approach this season. Um, something that obviously, you know, our team is really well aware of and something that we're, um, you know, really hoping to really improve on. Two captains this year, senior Mel Bankhorse and then junior Julia Middlebrook. Obviously, both have been contributors throughout their time here at Bates. And Mel, she's a guard, but she gets so many rebounds. And Julia has uh, got the knack for the clutch shot, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. Yeah, they're they're both great. They both lead us in, um, you know, some kind of different ways. Um, so we're really excited about They have really complementary leadership styles. Um, you know, Mel being our only senior um just, you know, even though it's early and we've only had, you know, a brief stretch of practice, she's just really playing like a senior um, with that urgency and she's really performing well. Um, and I think we'll we'll really have a great year for us. And um, yeah, same with Julia. She just, you know, we were just talking about inconsistency and some of the challenges we've had with that as a team. And she just um, is really consistent with her presence and the way she shows up every day her commitment, how determined she is. Um, and, yeah, she has been – she's played a very consistent role for us performing in games as well. And, yeah, knock on wood, hopefully continue to have that that knack for clutch shots. Yeah. And the other upperclassman, Taylor McVay, mm-hmm. junior, pretty solid rebounder. What do you yes. see from her taking the next step this year as she continues her um, Bates women's basketball career? Yeah, well, exciting for her is um, she can kind of be a leader of an actual post group now. We mm-hmm. haven't really had that yet, so we have – a nice contingent of posts so she has some post teammates and we're really looking to her to be the leader there um, in terms of bringing um, our first years up to speed with just defending in the post and um, you know she's had a ton of a ton of game experience so um, we'll really rely on her for that and are looking you know we're looking for her to be even more of an offensive threat this year she's gotten she's improved with that each year um and we're just hoping that you know she can continue to to grow in that way and stay aggressive looking for her offense and then we go into the sophomore class the big sophomore yeah. class starting with megan graff who last year the first year had a lot of responsibility on her shoulders running that offense playing a lot of minutes what did you see from her throughout the season because she was obviously on the court for as many minutes as you could get her right yeah yeah absolutely and i think yeah, I mean, the nice thing is um, she has some nice, you know, the, the pressure kind of isn't all on her in terms of running her point. Like, we have some nice options um, who can, she can kind of share that load with. But, yeah, she does have a great knack for, um, you know, just a good basketball IQ and kind of running running the show out there. She knows what she's doing. So we'll definitely rely on that for sure. And, and she had some, some great um, – some great experience with that this past season. So, um, yeah, we're looking we're looking for more of that from her for sure. And Ariana Dahlia, interesting player. Yeah. When she was in the game, knocking down shots, yeah. grabbing rebounds, yeah. 
foul trouble was an issue for her last yeah. year. How do you how do you try to avoid that this year? I know. That's a funny one. I mean, hopefully just by, you know, just by being better and also by adjusting to the college game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she kind of got thrown in there as a freshman and played a ton of minutes and kind of had to play through a lot of those, um, just those learning curves, I think. Um, so... I think with all the experience she got last year, um, that's obviously a focus for her. It's it's kind of one of those funny things like we don't want her so preoccupied with that because mm-hmm. we want her playing aggressively. We don't want her kind of overthinking those things, but we want her to be more disciplined. Um, I mean, she's a really physical, aggressive player on both ends, and we don't want her to shy away from that. We just want her to play smart enough so that she's not kind of picking up silly fouls, um, you know, like swatting down on the ball or reaching or things like that um, because she's going to pick some up just from you know playing a lot of minutes and for being aggressive so certainly something that we've talked about that we work on we're trying to hold her more accountable and in practice Um, but you know essentially we want her to just kind of play and not to think too much about it yeah Mia Roy played a fair amount last year as well and then Grace Hale it seems like you started to trust her more and more as the season went along yeah she is such a consistent player um Yeah, and last year it was interesting. We kind of had her flip-flopping between two positions, and I feel like we were always kind of struggling with her identity in terms of is she a guard, is she kind of one of our, you know, like a backup four for Ari. Um, So she's, you know, we've gotten her to um, with some more posts on our team this year. Um, We feel like she's playing kind of her more natural position at the three, um, which is exciting. And um, so, yeah, really, really looking for her to be a contributor, and she's done. She's brought a lot in practice so far, so. Yeah, certainly. And then Amari Williams hoping to have her back in the next calendar year. right? Yes, exactly. So she's um, still recovering from that ACL tear, working so hard um, to get healthy. And yeah, we're hoping to have her back. um, Yeah, sometime this winter. So for this first year class, you keep touching on the the, the posts you have now, the six footer. Bree Gattaletta, and then the six foot one Jenna Barons. How how did they c- end up coming to Bates? One from New York, one here from Connecticut. Yeah, we recruited them hard, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think just really feeling like that was kind of one of the missing dynamics mm-hmm. um, in, in, on our roster, like just needing a little bit more size on both ends, um, and that you know that was really just falling on Taylor's shoulders to sort of mm-hmm. be that one post presence that we had. So. Um, it's really nice. They're both um, pretty versatile. Both can face up and shoot. Just a lot of length defensively. So they're already making us so much better in practice. And that when our guards get deep from creating, um, you know, the posts are letting them know that they're there. So that's that's great because we haven't really had had that sort of challenge in practice. Um, so they've brought a lot in that way, and also just um, giving us more options to to feed the post to create more opportunities. Um, for our guards also by having some more po- like scoring post options is really exciting. Does um, their presence change the offense in any way, or is it going to be similar looking offenses last Um, It's different. Yeah. Um, we'll have a couple uh, like similar kind of quick hitters, but we put in a motion this year that's different that we feel like um, will really kind of highlight our versatility and um, will include a little bit more of the opportunity to score in the post. So it'll be different, yeah. And then the other first year is Kayla Bridgman, a yeah. guard. She's yes. got a lot of players to compete with for playing yeah, time. Yeah, but she <laughs> is competing yeah. so tough in practice. Yeah. She's a very, very good defender. Um, so that's another thing, just like I was talking about with Jenna and Bree, giving us a different look in practice um, and really challenging our returners. Same thing with Kayla. I mean, she's um, a great on-ball defender, so really challenging our point guards. And she's versatile as well. She can play some point, um, and she can just also play the guard position. So, 
Um, she brings a lot and she's just, she's got a great motor, always working hard. So yeah, we're really excited about her as well. And then the NETSCAC in general, how's it shaping up? I mean, we know about Amherst and Bowdoin and Tuss, yeah. what they bring to the table. How much depth is there this year in the conference? Yeah, it's always deep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we're excited about that. That's like, that's why we, you know, this is where we want to be. Yeah. But, um, I think, you know, the thing about, the thing about just continuing to build a program and get better and better each year is like, you're always up against that pressure that, um, everybody else is doing the same thing. And, um, so yeah, we're, we're hoping to just continue to close that gap and, um, compete with everybody, which I think we took a really, really nice leap with that last year. Like, as you said, particularly, um, when we were an alumni gym, but we hope to do that very consistently. Um, so yeah, I mean, every team, I mean, you know, top to bottom, I say that, but it's like bottom is, you know, like every team is, is just so competitive and every night out is a real challenge. So, um, yeah, we're hoping to just continue to kind of climb up that ladder. All right, women's basketball team opening this weekend at the Rose City Tip-Off Classic down in New Jersey, and then home opener Wednesday the 20th against Husson. Alison Montgomery, thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. The squash teams visit Bowdoin on Friday and host Vassar at 3 p.m. on Saturday to begin their seasons. Senior captains Lutza Polgar and Graham Bunnell join the Bobcast to talk about their new head coach, their careers at Bates, and more. Lutza, we'll start with you as, as a women's captain, as a senior. Can you believe it's already senior year for you? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. It's kind of crazy. It feels like it feels like it's only been a couple of days since we arrived on campus. It's been and it's been th- more than three years now. I it, it's been it's been a great three years. And I and I feel like I have I have great hopes for this season. I'm I'm really excited. And then, Graham, how about you? Has time flown by for you also? Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. I mean, it, re- it really feels like, as Lutza said, we're, we were just starting our first years here at Bates. Um, but, yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited about the potential that this team has and uh, how our season is looking. And so, obviously, as, as people know, uh, Pat Koster uh, got a job there at Hobart. And, and so now we got um, a new coach coming in, Ronald Hergeth. You haven't gotten to work with him yet, but what do you know about him coming from Trinity? Yeah, so Rye was a great player at Trinity. He actually played number one uh, for the Bantams. And as you may or may not know, Trinity is, is a powerhouse in squash and has won um, close to 20 national titles. Um, and it's really great to um, eventually have somebody on campus who who brings that sort of winning culture. Um, that's something Bates has strived for over the years with, with Pat, but it's something that we can improve on and we can't wait until um, Rye can really assist us in that endeavor. Lutzo, as a captain, what's it been like sort of, you know, through this transition, working with some of the younger players to keep them focused? During preseason, we, we don't get coaching, so that went um, pretty normally for us. Um, right now, we've started um, started um, practicing with uh, Coach Castingay, who, who's been a great help. He's the, he's the tennis coach, and now he's the intern um squash coach. And... Uh, as you know, we have we have a really really young team. We have five first years, um, and they're all eager to play. I'm really really happy to be their captain this year. I'm amazed by how how much energy they have, how how much they want to want to do this. So I'm I'm very very excited. What do you tell the first years about what it takes to succeed at Bates in squash? I just tell them that to work hard, use their use their teammates as a resource, and and just put everything, put their hearts out there. You know. And that just leads to success eventually. And then, Graham, I know you've tried to take over some of the social media, right, responsibilities there during this transition? Oh, I love it. It, It's been a lot of fun. Um, I mean, over the years, I've enjoyed 
helping out wherever I can when it comes to media productions for the squash team. Um, I've made a couple videos and I've managed uh, the team's YouTube channel where we have all of our matches and film that we get to review uh, to get better ourselves. But yeah, it's been really fun. I mean, uh, I'll give credit where credit's due. Pat did a great job with the Instagram, um, but it's exciting to be able to take the reins myself and hopefully pass that on to the next generation after a year from now. Certainly, and, and a senior class for the on the men's side. There's some, you know, you know, you got Mahmoud on there. You got, you got Benny. You got Garen. So, what's this group like? Yeah, it's it's really incredible. Again, um, I'm just so excited for the season. We've got five seniors on the team um, who I'm really hoping that we can we can really act as leaders on the team and uh, hopefully win some big matches. But we've also got some really good young talent. Um, all three recruits, all three first years that we have are quite talented, and I really have high hopes for all of them. And then what's your advice to them? My advice to them would be remain as present as possible, both in practice and in competition, and to try not to think too far ahead. Bowden, obviously, this Friday, um, that's a good rivalry, and I know both these teams want to continue the, the winning uh, streaks you've had, right? What's the match against Bowden mean to you? It's really exciting. It's our first match, and... Um... We we had the um, we had the possibility to to practice at their course. They were um, they were nice enough to allow us to practice at their course uh, while our courts were were being renovated. So so hopefully that will help us uh, a little more too. But um, we're always looking forward to Bowdoin. It's it's always a great uh, rivalry. Um, it's always a great match. What about you for you, Graham? Yeah, it'll be great to. Go play our friends at Bowdoin. Uh, I think the men's team is going on their 12th, 13th, maybe 14th year of winning the CBB. Uh, I could have that wrong, but it's something like that, and that's not something that we want to give away. Mm -hmm. Both Bowdoin and Colby are definitely getting stronger, um, but I'm sure that we're, we're up to the task. Excellent. So the squash season is kind of interesting because you have a couple matches, November, maybe one or two in December also, but then you get about a month where you don't have anything. How have you learned how to handle that type of time period during the season? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually love that our season is split by a bit of a break. Um, this year, we were planning on coming back um, earlier than I've come back in, in for the past three years mm -hmm. that I've been at Bates. We're going to be coming back January 3rd. And that means we'll get more than a week of just playing squash, just training as a team. Um, and that's really so much fun. That Some of my best memories of Bates are coming back early and just playing squash with my teammates. But the men's team and the women's team is, is very international. And it, it's really great for a lot of the players to be able to go back to their homes. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to go back to Connecticut basically any break. But for a lot of these student athletes, the only times they can go back to their families is during that winter break. So it's a great opportunity for that. Well, Lucy, you're from Budapest, so have you gotten to take advantage of that? Oh yeah, I go yeah. back. I go back for uh, for December break every year, mm -hmm. and it's a great time to reset, to to spend some time with the family, but also um, just to. I, I do play squash back home as as soon as I go home. Yeah. I I just get on the court too. So um, it's just it's just a good time to to breathe, to have some break from from schoolwork, uh, focus on yourself when you're squash, and then come back um, completely reset. Squash is interesting and, um, because we talked about this before, how it's individual, you're out there as an individual, but you're playing for the team. 
Graham has the team set any goals this year? Do you individually have any goals this year? Yeah, the team's definitely got some goals. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I want to publicize those too much. We're, we're going to keep those under lock and okay, key, okay. but um, we definitely have the potential to, to have a historic season this year. I can say that. As for me personally, um, I just want to do as much as I can to help my teammates in any way that I can and also have fun playing my own game. Well, one way you've helped is you've been playing at number one for the last couple of years. What's that experience been like for you? Yeah, so, well, my junior, my sophomore year, I played one match at number one. Um, and then last year, I was playing at number one. It's, it's really been an honor and a privilege to play at that position. Um, I really have to give credit to my other teammates who are very, very good and extremely capable. Um, and I'm sure that they'll all... They'll all be vying for, for the number one spot as well, and, and I invite that. That's great. Um, it, it hopefully will push everybody to be better. And then, Luke, how about for the women's team? Any goals that have been talked about? We do have goals for this season. We, um, we always want to be in the B flight. Um, throughout my um, three years here so far, um, one time we made it to the B flight. Um, we finished, I think, 14th or 15th, and then two times we just fell short so we won the C flight finishing 17th um this year is definitely we want to make we want to make the B flight um for me personally um i i just i just want to do the best i can for for the team for myself for to have the to have my last year be the most successful year so far for the team and for myself yeah, for those who don't know, with squash, there's multiple flights at team nationals, whether it be A, B, C, or D, and Bates is always trying to look at that, you know, B or uh, hopefully the B flight each year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So the men's team, we qualified for the B flight my first year here at Bates, um, and we were a match away from beating Princeton, which would have put us at top 12 in the nation. Um, and this is competing among... Uh, Ivy League schools, right. the University of Virginia's, the Naval Academies um, of college squash. So it's it's really extremely competitive. Um, but yeah, that's always the goal. And I'd also put in that making it to the finals of NESCAC mm-hmm. is a big goal this year. Um, my first two years at Bates, the men's team made it to the finals of NESCAC. Last year we didn't. So that's something that I definitely want for our team to accomplish this year. All right, Graham Bonnell and Lucas Polgar, thanks so much for previewing the squash season. Thank you, Aaron. Really appreciate it. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll talk about the NCAA cross-country regionals taking place this Saturday at Bowdoin. We'll also recap the volleyball, soccer, and field hockey seasons. Plus, we'll preview swimming and diving and men's basketball. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast.